0: Well, good evening. I appreciate the privilege of being asked to address all of you this evening. And it is a special privilege to be able to address the ordination candidates. You know, life is full of moments. Some are good, and some are not. Some are the everyday stuff of life and living. But then there are those seminal moments that simply cannot be held to the moment that they happen in. There are those moments that transcend the moment itself and go on with us into every other moment for the rest of our lives. And this is one of those moments. And so to the candidates here this evening, as well as everyone gathered here, I am blessed to be part of a moment tonight that will transcend every moment to follow. The great 19th century American author Mark Twain wrote, The two most important days in your life are the day you were born and the day you find out why. Well, each of you have experienced the first and each of you have answered the second. That's why you're sitting here this evening. You've determined that your why is to serve the Lord Jesus Christ and carry his message into a world that seems to be getting darker by the day. Your why is to preach the message of Christ to the nations in a way that will transform those nations. That's your why. Communicating that message by as many means as possible, to as many people as possible, is your why. Now, the message that we're preaching to the world out there, as well as the world in here, goes something like this. This Jesus voluntarily shed every right of a royalty that, by comparison, rendered every other king that ever ruled as an impoverished pauper. And in laying down his rightful rule, he transitioned from a place of perfect perfection to a world of imperfection of the most broken kind imaginable. By choice, he stepped from the halls of heaven to be born in a barn to two frightened teenagers who found themselves at a point in history they did not understand, playing a role they could not comprehend in a town that was not their home. This Jesus that we preach had a mission that was massive beyond comprehension, and yet he had only 33 years to pull it off. And the fact of the matter is that this God went from shaping galaxies to shaping wood in a carpenter's shop in a backwater town until he was 30, leaving him a mere three years to complete a humanly impossible task. He took up residence in a world that refused him residence he touched the untouchable. He gladly embraced everything that was hideous about mankind. He told the lost that being lost was a choice, not a destiny. and he helped people understand that the ugliness of our choices is nothing more than the raw material from which God creates beauty. He repeatedly communicated the truth that the carnage that we create need never be the thing that defines us, and it does not possess the power to hold us. He took the worst of us and transformed that into the best of us. And after all of that, he was crucified by people who were too stubborn to understand the immensity of who and what he was. And in their blindness, they killed the only person capable of saving them from killing themselves. He died the most brutal kind of death ever devised by man. He was buried in a tomb that he didn't even own because he didn't plan on living there anyway. And he did what no one in the entire span of human history has ever done. He reversed his own murder. And standing risen, then and yet today, he holds out a scarred hand, looks us squarely in the eye, and says that the magnitude of his death as applied to the gravity of our sin wipes the slate clean and leaves us free. And that whole wildly improbable story was beautifully condensed into one sentence by Luke in Acts chapter 4, verse 12, where he unapologetically and decisively said, Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. That's the message. Men can't write those kinds of stories. And for whatever reason, God chose to do it. He entrusted that story, that remarkable story, that timeless and absolutely transformational story into these hands. And these hands are not enough to hold a story like that, much less even begin to tell it. You and I are vested with a story that we could never write and that we constantly struggle to recite with any kind of prose that even remotely communicates the raw power of the story itself. My hands aren't big enough to hold it. My words are too small to express it, and I don't have the power to deliver it. But on top of that, think about this. Do we understand that the entire weight of history itself And the whole of mankind's destiny, from beginning to end, rests on what mankind will do with that one single message. And that when people stand for or against this one single message, they are at that single point in time making a decision that will define their existence for all of time. That every other decision that we will ever make in life, every decision hangs on whether we will embrace this message or reject it? And finally, do we understand that the immensity and magnitude of this single message and the decision to accept or reject that message is such that no human being in all of existence can escape it or circumvent it, that it will demand an answer of every human being who has lived, is living, or has yet to live? what else in life even remotely comes close to being so big that it demands that of us? And the answer is nothing. As Luke said, salvation is found in no one else. You can expend the entirety of your life reviewing the untold millions of messages that are out there. But the depth of this message outclasses, outruns, outlives, outperforms, outpaces, and outdoes, and then undoes every other message. And as I've come to understand just how massive this message is, I begin to understand how incredibly inadequate I am to carry it. And more than once I've wondered, why did God entrust a message this enormous and this critical to a person like me who daily fails to live up to that message? How in the world does God expect you and me to hold a message this marvelous, this massive, this impactful, and this powerful, and somehow, in our frailty, have any hope of delivering it to a world that has set itself against that very message? And as I sit facing an ever-darkening world as reflected in the faces of the patients that I serve day in and day out, I increasingly understand how immeasurable the message is. And how terribly small I am. I am not suited to the task. And if I have any chance of even remotely delivering the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ in whatever terribly limited way that I do that, I must rely on God to do it through me. Several years ago in contemplating all of this, I wrote, it is my hope that we do not need to fall by our own hand before we realize that we can only stand." by gods. If somehow we are arrogant enough to assume that we can fulfill this calling on our own, we will kill the message and our effort to save the world. Paul understood that very, very well. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, he said, but we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. This is about God working through us, not us working through God. Clay jars don't change the world, and if you think they do, you'd be wise to get over that. Clay jars carry within them what changes the world. And I will confess to you that I am a clay jar whose edges are anything but smooth I am lopsided in places that I wish I were not, and too often I find myself tipping myself over and spilling out this precious message in ways for which I am ashamed. Yet it is in my imperfection that his perfection is best seen. Therefore, despite my many imperfections, I know that God is pleased to fill me with a message that he wishes to pour out of me until the world itself is awash in it. And knowing that, there's nothing that I would rather be than the clay jar that God has created me to be as imperfect as this jar is. And therefore, recognizing that I am only a jar and a terribly imperfect one at that, and recognizing the importance of this single message and my inability to deliver it without the all-surpassing power of God, I have learned to pray this single sentence and to live out this single sentence. You know, if I had to pick one of the many, many, many things that I have learned in over four decades of working with hurting people, without a doubt, this is the one thought, the one sentence, the one prayer that I would pick to share with all of you tonight. This is the prayer of an imperfect clay jar. And it reads like this. Dear God, empty me of everything but your message and fill me. With nothing but your power. Dear God, empty me of everything but your message and fill me with nothing but your power. Look, the nature of our call is infinitely greater than anything and everything that we have to fulfill it. What you and I are called out and up to do is infinitely greater than every personal resource at our disposal. Or to put it simply, it's impossible. We are not enough for a calling this massive, and to assume that we are is to diminish the message that we preach to the point that we will kill it. And so to the clay jars sitting in this room, I would say that we need to fall on our knees every day and pray, Dear God, empty me of everything but your message, and fill me with nothing but your power. Now, this is what happens when we don't do that. Think about this. Ministry is not about soothing the world into some state of idle complacency. It's not about giving the world some warm or cheerful thoughts that distract it from the hard realities that are destroying it. It's not about lulling people into some sort of false peace with trite phrases and warm thoughts and moving stories. It's not about granting false hopes through clever philosophies or trendy ideas or some series of five steps to whatever it is that we're supposed to be stepping toward. It's not about a set of bogus theories or compromising theology. That's the stuff that comes out of jars that we fill. If you fill your own jar with your own stuff and your own power, this is the stuff that will come out of it. There's no substance to that stuff no depth, nothing transforming, nothing sustaining, nothing that we can grab hold of in a turbulent world. Such jars have no ability to do anything other than make promises they can't keep because there was nothing with which to make those promises other than the emptiness of men and women who have been fooled by the foolishness of their own ideas. Let's be really clear. Ministry is about changing the world by transforming the people within it, not by giving them some sort of emotional sedative. As Luke said, salvation is found in no one else. That is the only message that matters. And all of eternity turns on that single message. And we empower that message, as Paul said, with the all-surpassing power of God, because that's the only power that can deliver a message that massive to a world that's this dark. And if you've got anything else in your jar other than those two things, you better empty it out. Look, because of the eternal implications of our calling and because of the seemingly impossible goal of what that calling was created to accomplish and because of the darkened world into which we must press in order to achieve that goal and because of the extent of people's pain and because of the decay that sin has caused, as these empty jars, we have no alternative but to fall on our knees and pray, Dear God, empty me of everything but your message and fill me with nothing but your power. You are not going to change the world. You aren't going to do that. So don't go out there thinking that's how this is going to go because that's not how it's going to go. No, here's how it's going to go. God is going to change the world through you. That is how it's going to go. He's going to fill you with everything that you need to do, everything that you can't do. Remember, clay jars don't change the world. Clay jars carry within them the God that changes the world. And if you've got anything else other than God inside of you, dump it out. Now, not only does God fill these jars that we are, in Psalm chapter 139 verse 5, the psalmist said, you hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. So God fills you, he grants you his all-surpassing power, and then he goes with you wherever you go. There's no place where you will ever go where God is not. There's no place that you're going to go that God was not already there long before you ever showed up. And so if we hold on to the message that salvation is found in no one else, and then we pray that God fills us with, with his all-surpassing power in order to have the capacity to deliver that message into a darkened world, and then if we understand that he walks behind us and before us in every place that we will ever set foot in, it doesn't matter how dark the world is or how bad people's pain might be or how much decay sin has caused or how much the world might hate the message that God has put in us because with God's promises standing behind us and before us, the impossible actually begins to become possible because let me remind you, God is the God of the impossible. And so I pray, dear God, empty me of everything but your message and fill me with nothing but your power because What is going to be asked of me is far greater than the sum total of anything that I, as a simple and perfect clay jar, possess in order to actually fulfill this mission. I am not enough, but God is. Now, as a counselor, this reality is brought home. When I sit with a 16-year-old female who was sexually assaulted by a 21-year-old male in a dark parking lot, and when I hear the story of her desperate struggle, To get away, and the manner in which she was violated and between the sobbing I hear the trauma of a soul ripped to shreds and I look into eyes violated in the most grievous way imaginable I sit there and I wonder how do I help a life now forever seared by a memory that she will never be able to forget how in the world do I extract the pain from that memory like drawing venom from a wound how do I claim God's promise that God works all things for the good how do you do that And facing all of those seemingly insurmountable challenges, I pray, Dear God, empty me of everything but your message and fill me with nothing but your power. As a counselor, this is brought home when a father and his three young children sit in stunned stupor in front of me and when, through the shock and the grief and the horror they catch their breath enough to tell me the seemingly impossible story of a mother who left home at one o'clock in the morning, drove To a construction site, jumped the security fence, climbed to the top of a 180 foot crane, and jumped off. And when I scan the room and see nothing but empty eyes, confusion painted across every single face, hearts utterly ripped to shreds, and the question of how any of them are going to be able to survive a mother who's never going to come home again, when I sit in front of that kind of stuff, I pray, Dear God. Empty me of everything but your message, and fill me with nothing but your power. As a counselor, this is brought home when I sit with a shattered husband hunched over with his head cradled in his hands, just having discovered the previous day that his wife was having a two-year affair with her boss. And then, just before coming to his appointment, also discovering that she had been regularly meeting with two other men at a local hotel, engaging in assorted sexual behaviors while attempting to enhance her sexual experiences through the use of cocaine. When this broken shell of a betrayed man is asking why he wasn't enough. Or what is this going to do to his two young children? Or why didn't he see this sooner so that he might have had a shot at saving his family? Or how can someone be so selfish as to destroy other lives in the pursuit of the agendas that are going to destroy both the family as well as the person who did the destroying at those times? Facing those kinds of questions, looking into the face of a pain so utterly raw, realizing the massive nature of the carnage that lays all around this man, I pray, Dear God, empty me of everything but your message and fill me with nothing but your power. As a counselor, this is brought home when I sit with a woman whose self-esteem was crushed for decades at the hands of an abusive husband. When she spent the best of her years trying to love him beyond his abusive behaviors, believing that if she exemplified the love of Christ long enough, he would be saved. And decades later, the moment came when she suddenly found herself entirely spent in the selfless commitment to love an abusive man. And at that moment, with decades of life and energy spent and gone, she found herself in a place she never dreamt she would ever find herself. She found herself sitting on the edge of her bed, trying to figure out the most painless way that she could kill herself. In that moment, she was struck with the sudden realization that she had been destroying herself in an attempt to save a husband who did not want to be saved. And now this empty shell of whatever this woman used to be sits in my office, and through uncontrollable sobbing asks questions for which there are no easy answers or possibly no answers at all. And at those times, looking at a life destroyed by decades of relentless abuse, when I have no idea where to begin in order to somehow help this broken woman heal, I pray, dear God, empty me of everything but your message and fill me with nothing but your power. As a counselor, this is brought home in the life of the father, whose two sons both died the same evening in the same room of fentanyl overdoses. Two months before, this broken father discovered that his wife had been engaging in sexual activity with at least seven other identified men. To his distress, he also discovered that his wife had been using cocaine and marijuana as well, even using it with the two sons that were now dead because of that use. His only son dead a wife gone, a house empty, a family decimated, no more holidays, no more birthdays, dreams shattered, plans destroyed, a future now uncertain in ways that instilled immense fear and apprehension, all gone. And I sit with this man who has experienced the loss of all the things that no human being should ever have to lose, and I pray, dear God, empty me of everything but your message, and fill me with nothing but your power. And finally, This is brought home when the pastor who felt called to heal the church with a significant troubled history. For a year and a half, this man worked to bring a deep healing and a fresh vision to a ministry that had destroyed five pastors in 15 years. And like the five pastors before him, he was eventually criticized, diminished, chastised, and ridiculed because the most difficult place to root out darkness is within the very places where it should not be in the first place and finding himself exhausted, having given the best of himself, his abilities, his time, and his life, after being faithful to the word, preaching truth to the congregation out of love, and sometimes out of frustration, praying daily for the people who maligned him, after watching the destructive impact of all of this on his marriage and his family, he finally decided to close the church that so no other lives would be destroyed. And in the process of closing down this dysfunctional and damaging ministry, this pastor became the subject of intense ridicule. Before it was all over, this pastor found the denomination that had called him to this troubled church now abandoning him. This man received two death threats from members of his church. He was left so traumatized by it all, he felt it necessary to leave the pastoral ministry altogether, and he moved into the counseling field. And in this particular case... This simple but powerful prayer of, Dear God, empty me of everything but your message and fill me with nothing but your power was profoundly significant because that pastor was me. After over 40 years of working with people, I can stand up here and share thousands of utterly heart-wrenching stories with you, a few of which are my own. And in this room right now there are thousands of just such stories as well and each of those stories is bigger than anything and everything that any of us could hope to bring to any one of those stories we all face that reality every single day with every single life that we touch if you are truly getting into the trenches with the people that you serve as god has called you into those trenches you will face challenges that you do not have the resources to face If we are to effectively communicate that salvation is found in no one else, and if we rely on the all-surpassing power of God, we will experience great joy and we will see lives changed. But we will likewise face great pain and, at times, brutal opposition. That is both the nature and the beauty of our mission. We are clay jars. Jars don't save lives. It's what's in those jars that saves lives. And what's in you, as Paul says, is the all-surpassing power of God Himself. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20, Paul puts it another way. He says, Therefore we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. John MacArthur put it another way that I find rather humorous. He said, The preacher is not a chef, he's a waiter. God doesn't want you to make the meal. He just wants you to deliver it to the table without messing it up. <laughs> and his clay jars and ambassadors and waiters, if we are to effectively declare to the world that salvation is found in no one else, we must pray. Dear God, empty me of everything but your message and fill me with nothing but your power. Such a prayer acknowledges both the gravity and the magnitude of the mission that you have decided to embark upon, the why of your life. You're facing a world driven to a madness so deep that it will unashamedly reject the only thing that can save it. You will face people advocating for agendas that will eventually destroy them, and the majority of those people will refuse to hear the fact that you possess the only message that can save them. You will be slandered, vilified, labeled as domestic terrorists, marginalized as foolish, declared as haters, described as weak, said to be ignorant, and attacked in just about every other way conceivable. That, that is the nature of your mission. And that is why we must pray, Dear God, empty me of everything but your message and fill me with nothing but your power. Now, over my 40 years of working with people, I've watched people miraculously changed. I have watched people transformed. I have watched people overcome the impossible, achieve the improbable, build beautiful things out of the worst kind of carnage conceivable, use the greatest pain imaginable to grow in ways unimaginable, and take the wreckage of whatever their lives had been and use it to help others heal from their own wreckage. I've seen that kind of thing happen over and over and over again. And here's the most incredible thing about all of that. What they accomplished far, far, far exceeded anything that I ever brought to their lives. Ever. I stare into the face of the sexually assaulted teenage girls and know that the incredible healing that has transpired in their lives was leagues beyond anything I brought to their lives. I talk to families where a parent committed suicide, and I know that the degree to which they are now flourishing is beyond any word of set of words that I could have ever spoken into their lives. I sit with both men and women whose spouses engaged in infidelity of the most destructive and thoughtless kind, and I watch in stunned awe how they rebuilt their lives into something better than whatever their lives had ever been before. I talk with people whose self-esteem had been crushed far beyond anything that anyone thought could ever be repaired, now stepping out with a surprisingly renewed confidence, and out of that confidence building rich and meaningful lives. I talk with men and women who've lost children, spouses, friends, and family members to the scourge of addictions, and how they've used their losses to help others through theirs or how they've gone on to create preventative programs to keep vulnerable populations from falling victim to addictions in the first place, and knowing that I did nothing that resulted in that. And finally, I have lived as the traumatized pastor, seeing how God has moved me on to things I could have scarcely imagined, knowing that I did none of that other than being obedient to the God who has done all of that. I know in it all that what I brought to the lives of these people in no way explains what they did with their lives. I know that I was only the the clay jar or the ambassador or the waiter delivering the message. That's all I was. That's all I am. That's all I will ever be. And I'm fine with that. And so I pray, dear God, empty me of everything but your message and fill me with nothing but your power. These are the miracles that happen when you pray that prayer and when you live that prayer out. These are the miracles of clay jars emptied of self, but filled with the all-surpassing power of God. You know, when I talk to my patients or have people read the books and blogs and articles that I write, or individuals who tune into my podcast or search me out on social media, or, or listen to me as I address an audience such as I'm doing right now, I don't want them to see me because that's not what this is about. I want you to see the all-surpassing power of the God who sits within this terribly imperfect clay jar that I am. I want you to see the God who I represent as his ambassador. I want you to see the God who I'm trying my best to deliver to you without messing it up. That is what I want you to see because that's all I am. A jar, an ambassador, a waiter. And to achieve this in order to effectively share the message that salvation is found in no one else, I pray, dear God, empty me of everything but your message and fill me with nothing but your power. And so my prayer for each of you candidates and each of you in this room is very simple. My prayer is, dear God, empty them of everything but your message and fill them with nothing but your power as we engage a world that is dying and dying rapidly. That is my prayer for you today, tomorrow, and for every day that you are privileged to share this message. Let me close with a quote. I wrote this some years ago, but I want to share it with all of you as it seems fitting to our topic this evening. It reads this way. I am left with no alternative than to look beyond the efforts of men, For efforts of those sort leaves cities flattened, nations teetering, and lives crushed. Instead, I must shift the whole of my gaze to the God who tenderly kneels in the midst of this unimaginable carnage and effortlessly makes the healing imaginable. May God bless each of you as you carry out this why this unimaginable privilege that you have been called to and will now live out as that clay jar that ambassador that waiter it's my prayer that you will preach the message that salvation is found in no one else and that you preach it filled with the all-surpassing power of God and I pray that you do that until the day that you meet our Lord and Savior face to face and that you will live out that message until you hear God speak the words you have waited the whole of your life to hear, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And on your journey to that day, know that I am praying that God will empty you of everything but his message and fill you with nothing but his power. May God bless each and every one of you.